Genesis chapter 9. We're going to read the first seven verses. We're on the fifth plague. We're talking about Moses, a man God moved. He was constantly moving. But I can say this, I think he was constantly growing. Constant conflicts. I cannot imagine some of the conversations he had with the Israelites in the wilderness. But God is preparing him through a man by the name of Pharaoh. We've seen four of them. We'll, we'll reintroduce those in just a second. We're going to get the fifth and sixth one. Pretty devastating of what God's about ready to do to Egypt. Genesis chapter, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 9. I'm sorry. If you were in Genesis, you, you, you need to figure out what I, what I meant, not what I said. All right. Gen, Exodus chapter 9. It says in verse, the first seven verses, it says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus so saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. It's what God wanted. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the words that you've given us. Lord, may we look at these verses as, as, and figure out what we have to learn from these. Lord, I think of how you give commands. You're always in control in these commands. Sometimes we look at this story, we've looked at the first four, and we just don't understand why Pharaoh didn't change because you weren't done with the plan. Lord, may we understand what you have for us, and we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep reading in verse number 2. and It says this, it says, For if thou refuse to let them go, and wilt hold them still, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon the cattle which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, and upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is in the children of Israel. The Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the, but of the cattle of the children of Israel not, died not one. That's an amazing feat. As you think about what God's about ready to do to Pharaoh, I'm going to give you two things real quick, and there's some points underneath them. The first one is God's command. Very simple, and I just shared it with you. Go to verse number 1. Verse number one says this, it says, let my people go. Shows who owns these people, the Israelites, Moses, it's not Moses that owns them, it's God. He's not speaking for Moses, and we'll get into that in just a second, because Pharaoh's not used to that. You've got to study Egyptian history, and the, the Pharaohs were gods themselves, they thought. But yet Moses goes into them, and he was actually raised in, in that home, he says, listen, God is telling me to say this. Look at what it says. It says, let my people go. At the same time God is rising up the Israelites, He's tearing down the Egyptians. Egypt is always a picture of the world. And here you have Moses coming in and telling the man that's in charge of the world, the most powerful person in the world, you need to let my people go. He's already devastated. Four things that have happened, and, and we'll, like I said, we'll get into those. But the second part of this is this, that they may serve me. Isn't that what we're made for? Serving. You know, this church amazes me with some of the things that you did. Brother Shirley was telling me that they had a Thanksgiving dinner for their church on last Wednesday. Said they had over 100 people, a lot of visitors, and and they have those three people that do everything for their church. You know what I'm talking about? 
And they're always used to saying afterwards and cleaning up. But he said from the pulpit, he said, we're going to do a little bit different. We're all going to stay and we're going to clean up. Those three people were shocked. They got the whole thing cleaned up, put up in less than 15 minutes. Tonight after the service, Daniel's going to make a, a, a I'll say it, but you'll forget it. He'll, he'll announce it again. We need some tables set up afterwards for our Thanksgiving dinner on Tuesday. There's no doubt in my mind I'll see guys walk over there, get it all set up, and then leave. Isn't it great to be able to serve the Lord in certain areas just like that? Maybe you can't get up and speak. Maybe you can't sing a solo. Maybe you can't sing in the choir. But you know, there's other things you can do. One of the biggest things I would, I would appreciate are prayers. There's people in this room that need prayers. How many of you have a prayer request that's personal to you? All over the auditorium. Pray for people. The Bible says, listen, he goes up to Pharaoh. and This is totally foreign to Pharaoh. Because you know what Pharaoh looks at these Israelites as? Slaves. He looks at them as slaves and people that get all the work done. And yet Moses goes up and says, listen, I want you to, God's telling you to let my people go that they may serve me. Of course, he doesn't abide by that. That's the two commands that God gives him. And then all of a sudden, you, you break it down a little bit. And um, this was not Moses asking to be served, it was God. So you have God's command, but you have God's control. Aren't you thankful God's in control? I don't know when you're traveling, we'll be traveling this, this week. It doesn't take much for a semi to mess up a car. It doesn't take much for these cars that are driving real fast to mess up your car. We've got to, we've got to make sure we pray over things because it's, it's a very dangerous situation. But can I say this? God is in control. How many of you believe God's in control? Man, I'm so thankful he's in control. Because there's sometimes when I get on the highway, there's people out of control. And so when we look at this, I want you to see a few points. I'm not going to tell you how many because some of you will count as we go. And I don't want to tell you how many there are. There's, I think I'm using the alphabet twice. Okay? So let's get into this and we'll move. All right? The first, first point is this. Who was it the fifth plague was going to affect? Who was it? It was, just going to, it was just going to affect the Egyptians. Watch this. It says in this, in verse, I think it's verse number three, verse number four, Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. Now, some people have thought, well, the cattle of Egypt are over here and the cattle of Israel are right there. That's not normally how they did it. They were intermingled. And he was going to break this down and he was going to say, okay, God is in control. He's going to separate the two. And God knows even but animals. These animals all looked alike. Right? It wasn't like the cow of, of Egypt had one of those big things on his head that looked like an Egyptian. It didn't walk like an Egyptian. It didn't look like an Egyptian. It was just a cow. But yet God could tell the difference. I wonder how many Egyptians, when this is all over, were checking the cows that were dead and checking the cows that were alive to see if any of theirs had survived. But not one that was outside survived. And it wasn't just the cows. As it listed before, it was all those. What time is this going to happen? This shows you that God's in control. He says, tomorrow this is going to happen. And guess what? It happened on tomorrow. I wouldn't want to know when the doomsday is happening. Pharaoh knew. And you say, well, why is that so important? Because God is showing the most powerful man in the world he is not in control. He thought he was. And he keeps hardening his heart. As you look at this, how many times is he going to have to harden his heart before he understands it? I think after the first one I'd say, okay, this is enough. 
but not Pharaoh. So the first one is, who was it that was going to affect? It was going to affect the Egyptian animals, and it was going to affect the Egyptian people. What time was this going to happen? It was tomorrow. What happened? All of the animals died. All of them that were outside. You say, why do you keep saying outside? Because you'll read in the next one, there's some more animals affected by the, other, by the next plague. But let's go through these four that he's already went through. The first one was the blood into water. Remember that? Can you imagine the stench of that? Here, here Pharaoh, this little guy by the name of Moses, comes in and tells him, listen, you're going to let my people go, and, and, and they want to serve God. And all of a sudden, he says, the water's going to be turned to blood. And, and then his magicians do the same thing. And when they do that, and we've talked about this, you've got to, you've got to realize that the fish died in this situation. The stench was terrible. I remember seeing pictures of down in Louisiana when the, when the hurricane came through. Thousands of fish were just, were just rolling in the water. Can you imagine? I know we've got some fishermen right here. They're in my line right here. But can you imagine the stench of that? Whoo! Then you come in and what's the second one? What's the second one? The frogs. And it says they were everywhere. And it says at the very end, what they do? They piled them up and just let them rot. I'm getting a picture that Egypt is not a good-smelling saver, okay? It's not like a Yankee candle store. They don't have those scents. They don't have the Egyptian scent during the plague. You would not want to be by. You can almost picture, if you will, people carrying masks over their face as they're walking through the streets. Make matters worse. I say the next word, you'll start scratching your head. The third one was what? Lice. I don't know. Whenever someone says that, I even hear someone has lice. I start itching. It just would drive you crazy with what's going on. And the fourth one is those terrible occurring flies. And they would come in and, and they would pick who they would go after. They wouldn't go after the Egyptians. They, they wouldn't go after the Israelites. They went after the Egyptians. So suddenly now you have the fifth one. You have the cows. There's a story told, and actually, I don't know if you know who what the Christian Law Association, David Gibbs tells this story, that um, he had, his dad was a farmer, and a bunch of his cows died. They had some type of disease, and he told them, he said, now, I want, as these boys, he said, I want you to go out, and I want you to bury the cows. He made this statement to him. He said, you make sure you bury them deep enough. They didn't really know what, what, what deep enough was, so they thought, man, I, I, these cows are big animals to bury. So they just buried him, and they buried him barely under the ground. He said it wasn't too long, about three or four days later, they start, rigor mortis set in, and everywhere they buried a cow, you could see because all their legs were sticking out of the ground. Can you imagine the stench that's going on in Egypt? Every animal has died. Except the Israelite animals. You have all these things going on. I can't imagine the smell. But what? My next question is this. What did Pharaoh do? I never read the next verse. Read the next verse. Go into Exodus chapter um, 6 to show you how God is in control of this. Exodus chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 9 verse 6. It says, And the Lord did this thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. Watch the next three words. And Pharaoh sent. He 
he sends somebody to check on this. And behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites died. He did not, and keep reading, it says, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. He did not ask, did any of the Egyptian cattle survive? He wanted to know if the Israelites' cattle lived. See, because every time Moses had come into him and he had said, listen, this is my command to you. Let my people go because they, they need to serve me. He was always in control. Moses would come in and do it and it would happen. You know, you, you look at some of these things, you go, why did not Pharaoh understand this? And why did God pick these animals? There's a couple of reasons why he picked these animals. Why was this important, and why was it important to the Egyptians? Well, I can tell you a couple of reasons why it was important. Wealth and worship. Remember when we first got in this, there were, there were ten gods that the Egyptians served. God is systematically destroying every one of them. If you saw a bunch of frogs, what would you do? Kill them? The Egyptians didn't kill the frogs. They were sacred to them. That promotes a very large problem to the Egyptians when they're everywhere. It says they were in their beds, they were in their, they were in their kitchens, they were everywhere. But now you have these animals, the, the, especially the cows. You say wealth. Have you noticed in the Bible, whenever they talk about wealth of people in the Bible, they don't talk about Roth IRAs. They don't talk about pensions. What do they always talk about? How many animals they had. Let's say you were a very wealthy person and, and your business was moving things from place to place in Egypt and you go out and you get your horses and you get your oxen, you get your donkeys, you get your cattle or whatever you're going to do to transport these things and they're all dead. See, sometimes we read this and say, all oh, the animals died. It really stressed their financial aspect of this. They had lost a lot of wealth. That's how the Bible creates wealth with this. Animals were always equated with wealth in biblical times. Then you have worship. The Egyptians were known for worshiping cows. You know, we know that. We can study history and find that. We can also look at the Israelites. Remember what they did? They get all the gold together. And they make a gold what? Where'd they learn that from? It wasn't Moses. And I love that story. Just a calf popped out of the fire. We didn't forge it. Just all of a sudden's there. No, I want, I want to tell you, it was all about what they served. Now, let me read some things for you so you understand this. Cows, in 1850... A French archaeologist, August Moretti, made an interesting discovery. He found a total of 24 large coffins in a known Egyptian pyramid and burial ground. It dates back to 1350 B.C. In fact, they, they, they go back to the reign of Amenhotpil III, the ninth pharaoh of the 18th dynasty. They found many mummified cats. Why you would do that, I have no idea. Why would you even have a cat, Larry? For just sheer enjoyment, all right? Mummified cats, they found mummified dogs, 
The Egyptians would do this. Now the next one I wouldn't want to do, mummified crocodiles. But they came across this one and they couldn't figure out what was going on with it. It was so large they didn't know what it was. It was made of solid gra uh, granite and it weighed 90 tons. And there were 24 of them. Now picture, if you will, you're building something and you have to build something out of solid granite and it's 90 tons. I want to put a perspective of this so you would understand that. That's 180,000 pounds apiece. That would be like 200 times as heavy as a grand piano. Each one of them, and there's 24. Now this next one I probably shouldn't share with you, but if you were to take a, a man like the size of me, it, you would have to carry 720 of me down there, stack me up and make me a granite coffin. When they opened up the coffin, they were shocked to see, you know what they had in them? Mummified bulls. They found the other mummies, they were just in a regular tomb, but they had made these, these tombs such a precious thing that they didn't know what they were going to get into when they opened them up. Come to find out, they were just bulls. But they had they'd done all these things. These bulls were in underground cemetery, for their, and it was for the prize bulls. The bulls were worshipped and thought to be supernatural beings with magical powers, the Egyptian thought. Each bull was treated, as they said, to a five-star lifestyle. In fact, here's what it says about them. Each one was given a sp specific diet, a special diet, and even had its own harem of cows. And in its death, it was buried with all the pomp and circumstance of a pharaoh when these bulls died. They would have just as big of a, a, as a regalia for these guys as these bulls as they would for a pharaoh. Kind of tells you that they worshipped them. We've got people in here that have cows. When your bull dies, what are you going to do? Are you going to build a, 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 I'm looking back at you, Randy. What, what are you going to do with the bull? Are you going to bury it or are you going to build a tomb like they're doing? Beef it before it dies, all right? All right. I got to quit calling on you. All right, here we go. Here's the aspect of this whole thing, too. To the Egyptians. The Israeli or Israelite cows and all their animals were breathing the same air as the other, other cows. They were drinking the same water. They were eating the same food. They didn't understand this. But you know what God was doing? He was destroying something that they worshipped. Can you imagine as much as they put into these tombs with these bulls, what they thought when they'd go out there and they were dead? I can't imagine what they thought. I couldn't, I couldn't ever have an animal that you had to, you could eat at the very end. Because I would name it and I could never eat it. But as you look at these things, you just see how they really worshipped these animals. They cared for these animals. These animals were very important to them, and they were like gods. When it came to these bulls dying, there was 24 of them. I don't know what significant thing these, these guys had, but these 24 were put in these tombs, and they were mummified, 
and they were worshipped. So now the Egyptians go out when Moses says something's going to happen, and guess what? They're all dead. What are we going to do with this? Again, you have a stench that God is going to take care of, and then you get the sixth plague. Go to verse number 8. Sixth plague comes in in verse 8 in chapter 9 of Exodus. Now notice what does not happen here. It says, The Lord said unto Moses and to Aaron, Take to you the handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boiling breaking forth with, with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Did you notice what didn't happen? Let me show you that God's in control. He didn't go in this time and say, Pharaoh, let my people go. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go do this and get his attention one more time. This is not the first time he's done this. Because remember, if you go back and you look at history, in the lice aspect, he just went in and did it. You're thinking, when, is, when are these people going to learn? When is Pharaoh going to learn? When is the Egyptians going to learn? But can I, can I say this to you? You know God's in control because... God knew, knew Pharaoh, didn't he? And that's why he didn't have to say anything to him. He brings the lice, he brings the boils to him. He never says, let my people go because they need to serve me. He knew who they were and God is always in control. Go to the next one, it says, who was going to be affected by this plague? Again, these people are eating the same food, drinking the same water, going to the same place and guess what? The Egyptians are going to get these boils and the Israelites are not. You could be standing by somebody and the way it's set up is this dust is going to go and whenever it hits something, it's going to make a boil. How many of you ever had the privilege of having a boil? Or a, or a, a I, I've had a boil, I don't know if it was a boil or what, but I got a real bad sunburn one time and it was about this big on my foot and it hurt. Hurt, it hurt extremely. Have you ever noticed when you have a problem or something like this, it affects your whole life? Right? How many of you ever had a sore finger? That's all you think about, right? Now here these guys are coming with these boils. It's affecting them. You know what I like about this also? It shows God's in control because who's affected by it? Not only the Egyptians, and, and, and the, these guys are Egyptians, but you know who he affects and it tells the story? is the magicians. In this story, the magicians get the same thing. In fact, they have it so much that they have to leave in front of, of, front of, front of Pharaoh. Let's read this and see, see what happens. It says, in verse number 10, it says, And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses sprinkled it up towards heaven, and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon uh, man and upon beast. Now look at this next verse. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boil was made upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. That's an interesting point. Here this stuff flies in, flies in the air. They're, they're right with Moses and he didn't get it. Magicians get it so bad it kind of shows you. And why are the magicians there? The magicians would be somebody that you would call an advisor to the king. So they're going to advise him and they're going to try to promote that they can do anything that God does. And you know what God does? He takes them out of the picture and they have to leave. Look at the next verse in verse number 12. It says in verse number 12, it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of, his, uh, of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. See, we have God's command, we have God's control. God gives us a command, and this is what he wants us to do. He says, let my people, we're a part of his people. 
And He wants us to serve Him. And even when things aren't going right, He is still in control. See, there's something that you, you've got to understand with this. We, we said the first one was wealth and worship. The second one is health and worship. Can you imagine the pain that was involved in this? You've got a, you had a water source that turned to blood. You have all these different plagues. It smells nasty and now you're getting boils. Can you imagine the pain? When one aspect of your body hurts, it affects all of you. It's what will drive you. If you've had a bad toe, if you've had a, if you've had a, a bad hand, if you've had arthritis in something, it's the thing that's going to drive you. And that's what this boil did to him. Got the magicians out of there. Now, the second thing is worship. People don't realize this. Interesting aspect as I was studying this. How did this affect worship? Well, we know the, the, the frogs and the, and, the, and the cows were worshipped by, by, by the Egyptians. But there's a different aspect of this you've got you to realize. See, sometimes when we look at things, we see just our side of it. But the Egyptians had some rules, too, for their tabernacles that they had. One of the main things with their tabernacles was this, with their little G-gods, was that you had to, you had to be completely clean when you went in there. Now, last time I checked, Brother Adams, it said all Egyptians, including these people that worship these fake gods, and the rule was they couldn't go into the tabernacle that worshiped sun, the moon, the, the cows, the frogs, or whatever. You couldn't go into these things if you were unclean. And a boil was considered unclean. You know what God just did? He shut down all their worship simultaneously. We serve a God that's in control. Sometimes we don't understand everything, but God is still in control. Even in the midst of bad things happening, God's still in control. Sometimes when I see things happen bad in my life, I go, what is God trying to do? What is God trying to do? And sometimes I don't figure it out for 10 years down the road. Aren't you thankful that you didn't get what you, you prayed for sometimes? Man, I, I look at some of the prayers that I had, I think, thank God He knows, and thank God the Holy Spirit intervenes for me and says what's good for me rather than what I think is good for me. How many of you believe that God, is, God has a command for us? How many believe that? And it's the same command that He has for the Israelites. He wants us to understand that we are His, and He wants us to serve Him. And again, as we spoke about this morning, hey, we all have different ways of serving. Some of you could not speak to anybody if you did. There's some people that could live in their, their whole life by themselves, they'd be okay. And I don't know if anybody's in here like this, but I, I know of people like that. I could think of a relative that I have. He could, he, this man could live by himself and never be around somebody. I couldn't live that way. i got to be around people. Amen? And then there's other people that could never get up here and even pray in front of somebody. But that doesn't mean they don't pray by themselves. God gives us commands. But he also is in control. See, because in the midst of all this, the blood, water turned to blood, fish dying, the frogs, frogs dying, the lice, the flies, 
the cattle, the donkeys, the boils. In the midst of all this storm, there's a group of over a million people that are not being affected by it. Oh, they'll have their own hardships later. And God will take where it could have taken them about 14 or 15 hours to get to the promised land, but it's going to take them 40 years. But right now, it's not about them. It's about Egypt. God is systematically taking apart this country of Egypt. Can you understand why the Egyptians and all the countries around there don't like the Israelites? They come to Egypt and they're saved from a famine. And then God destroys all of Egypt, boom, and they leave. They get some of the best land that's all over there. How many of you have been to Israel? Raise your hand. Beautiful land. It gets a bad rap in the, in the, in the uh, media. But that's why they all want it. It grows things that none of the other countries can grow. You know why it's like that? Because God is in control. In the midst of these storms, in the midst of your situations in life, He gives us a command, and even in those storms, those commands don't change. Right? My command to have Him as my God and for me to serve Him does not change on my circumstances. My circumstances will make me stronger through them. See, we sometimes look and we see how He's destroyed Egypt. But do you realize what the Israelites are doing? They're sitting back and going, and they had friends that were Egyptians. Don't kid yourself. They're looking back and going, wow, God really does love us. God really does care for us. He cares for us so much that we have all the cattle. So when we leave, we can take our cattle with them. Picture this also. When they take their cattle with them, what do the Egyptians have? Nothing. And then they see their friends with the boils on them and they think, oh my word, God does love me. So in the systematic teardown of Egypt, he's uplifting the Israelites. And I'm sure there's some Israelites that are burdened over the Egyptians. They were friends in certain situations. But aren't you thankful that God gives us a command to be his child and to serve and even in the midst of this turmoil, he's in control. If I watch the news, Denver, it gets me mad. I said an article, I think, to Brandon and Peter. I don't know if you saw that. In the midst of, sometimes I read articles, I think, man, that's just great. There's a lady down in, I don't know where it was. I want to say it was Florida. She's 82 years old. Man went in to rob her. Anybody read that? They did not know she was an 82-year-old bodybuilder. She could deadlift 225 pounds. She said this guy knocked on her door and wanted to get in. She was scared and she said, no, I, I, don't, want, I don't care if you're sick. Call somebody. Get in. Yeah, I'm not going to come out there. She went back in the room. She heard, her, heard him break in. And to hear her tell the story, you know what she did? She grabbed a table. She beat him with the table. 
When it broke, she threw it on him. And then you know what she, and I love this part of the story. She grabbed the shampoo bottle. She filled his face up with shampoo. I know how I am in the shower when there's shampoo. I can't imagine a whole, whole thing in the shampoo. And they said she was still beating him when the person came to pick him up. You know what I look at? In this awesome world that we live in, sometimes there's some things that you go, man, I just can't understand. But then I read those stories and I'm so inspired that God's still in control. Amen? God knows exactly what you're going through. I like, I like funny stories because there's enough sadness out there. There's enough things that will just break your heart. God sure is in control of you. And He gives you command we need to follow. 